reading our passage this morning, and then um, we will get going. That's, I can hear that now. Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to start with uh, verse, verse 21. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great. But I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Who's the, who's the subject of this section after hearing it? Who's the focus of attention? The church and Christ, man, over and over again, you hear those words, church and Christ, church and Christ. So as we walk through this, um, which has very, very practical, hands-on application, um, the focal point is Christ and his church. It's interesting, as we were sharing before, um, homes and relationships um, are the places, can be the places where we experience the deepest pains. Is that not true in the world? And yet God chooses it to be the place where he wants to express his greatest demonstration of his love. Um, it's just, it's kind of a wonder, where did he ever come up with that, to do that? Those places where we experience those great pains, God is going to choose to do that. And that is really the heart of the passage. A couple of preliminary things we're, um, as we go into this. First of all, this is going to be two parts. So it's this week, next week. Um, so... It's two parts. You've got to hear both parts. So we're actually not even going to get into the husbands and wives stuff very much tonight at all because there's, there's more to do before we get there. And so they, they go together. So if, you only came, if somebody only came next week and didn't hear this week, I'd probably be in trouble. So you've got to put them together. There's two parts here because there's a lot here um, to unravel. And we have not been in Ephesians for a while, so we need to catch up a little bit. Second of all, there's a, there's a difference. Just remember as we walk through this, there's a difference between principles and truths and application of those things. So when, we, when we're starting to talk about the relationships, um, different homes apply them in different ways, but there are, there are very specific truths and principles that God wants to come through. Um, the applications of them are somewhat different. We're going to focus on the truths and the principles, not necessarily all of the applications. Um, understand, too, when we get to it, particularly next week, this is about husbands and wives. Um, sometimes it gets taught as being about men and women. It's not. 
It's about husbands and wives. So when it says husbands, uh, wives be subject to your husbands, it does not say women to be subject to men. So just so you understand that, we're talking about husbands and wives, and in that, God's going to teach us something that's, that's much bigger. And that's the last thing, is that this passage here is about something that is um, way bigger than husbands and wives, and even we get later on down here with kids and everything else, and men and loving their bodies and all these kinds of things that we have in here. Um, it is about something that's much bigger than that. So God wants to teach us something about that because in Ephesians we're looking at the overflow of God's work in us shows up in the daily routines of life and the daily patterns and things we do with each other. But there's something that overrides all of it. There's something much, much bigger. And if we, if we get lost in the other stuff um, and we miss the big picture, we miss the passage. We've missed it all together. So let's make sure we keep that in mind as we walk through it. Today, um, tonight, what we want to do is three things. I just want to review a little bit where we came from in Ephesians because it lays the foundations for this passage. Um, We started this back in February, and some of you have come since then, and so we didn't get the beginning. One of the things we emphasize is that Ephesians, the first three chapters, lay the foundation about who we are. We sang about that tonight a bit. Reminder of who we are, our, our very being, the, the very make of what God has done in us when, when Christ's life touches us and changes us and we become something that we were not before. There is something uh, fundamentally that completely changes. And who we are in Christ and what he's done in us and all that he's accomplished becomes the overflow of everything we do. If we get it backwards and we're just trying to do things without letting who we are create that, and it's just trouble, and it's just difficult, and it's just defeating. So the beginning chapters here are about who we are, and the final chapters, 4, 5, and 6, then begin to say, therefore, this is what will show up in your life. If you get that, and that's happened in you, and you embrace it, and you hold that, and you meditate on it, you let it work its way in your life, these are the things that are going to flow out of your life. These are the things. And so those are in verses, uh, chapters 4 through 6. So we want to make sure that we understand that, because if we just jump right into Wives being submissive to their husbands and husbands loving their wives, we will, um, we, will, we will completely fail. We will miss the point. We will struggle with it. It will just be, it'll be difficult and, and cumbersome and, and burdening, and that is not what God wants here. God wants to unleash a picture of himself in this. So we have to go back, and tonight what I want to do is I really want to go back and walk through those basic things and make sure we know where that's at before we go through the remainder of chapter 5 and into chapter 6 as well and give you the big picture. And I'll end with kind of an outline of where we're going to go next week. Um, Next week we'll look at the definitions. What are the words meaning? What exactly do they mean? What's the exposition? How does God put this text together? What's he actually trying to say about husbands and wives and relationships? And what's the stuff about men loving their bodies like their own flesh and all these things? Because I know when I get older I start thinking, yeah, it's not as good. But anyways, what is that all about? So we will look at that. We'll unpackage that to see what that is. And then we will give application to where um, we are going. So as I said, the first, uh, the first three chapters of Ephesians have to do with our identity, our foundation, God's work in us, who we are in Christ is speaking to believers, and chapters 4 through 6 are the practice, the overflow of his work in us. And so we want to get the context here before we walk in. So there's going to be four things here I want to um, basically reemphasize. If we've, if we've been sitting here since February going, I've heard all this, going, then we hear it again. We hear it again because I will guarantee sometime between last Sunday and today we forgot or yesterday and today. It just, these things just, 
Satan wants to take these things and just pull them about, twist them to reshape our mind, to uh, cause us to forget, because when he does that, it thwarts God's work of bringing worship through our lives. So four things here, and I'm going to actually go back to chapter 5, verse 1 to use it, although the things show up all through Ephesians. Number one, he's talking about identity. Identity has to do with who we are, who we are in Christ. Chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as what? What does it say? Beloved children. Beloved children. Be imitators of God as beloved children. How do you become an imitator of God? You look at that and go, wow, that's just, there's no way. How can we ever do that? He says, well, concentrate on being the beloved child part because that's who you are. And beloved children just naturally imitate the parents that love them. And so he says right in the very beginning here, he says, be imitators of God as beloved children. That is the heart of who we are, our identity in Christ. You can go back to chapter 1. Let me just go through these. I'm just going to read them off for you. Chapter 1, verse 3, that says that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Remember, how many blessings do we have? Every one of them. It's not like if I do enough right things, I get some more, and I get some more. It's like the little stars in the chart or the gumballs in the cup or... um, Whatever your home did, you know, we, we, my home was definitely a reward-based home. So, man, I was into the rewards, getting those things. Um, and then you get more and more and more. It doesn't work that way. God just, right from the beginning, as a completely broken, sinful person, Christ steps up and tr- transfers me from darkness to light, and I get the whole thing all at once. I get everything. It's all there, and it's never gone. It's just all mine. So he says we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. This doesn't mean that they're up there. We don't get them until later. It's, they're ours in Christ right now. Chapter 1, verse 4 says that we are chosen before the foundation of the world. That, that what Christ was going to do in you and in me, he designed and embraced before he even created Somehow, I have, we, we could argue about what that looks like. I have no idea. But somehow, before the foundations of the world, God poured his love on us in a way that creates us to make us his beloved. We were in his heart. So therefore, um, anyways, we can move on. Chapter 1, verse 4 says that we were holy and blameless before him. And by the way, we've talked about this frequently. We're not holy and blameless, and then we mess up, and now we're not holy and blameless. Then we're holy and blameless, goes back and forth. It doesn't work that way. It says, because of the power of the cross and everything's done, we are now holy and blameless before him. That is just who we are. That is our identity. That is what he's created us to be. That is what he's made us. That's what he's stamped us with, no matter what kind of looks out here sometimes. Chapter 1, verse 11. It says that we have received an inheritance as his son and daughters. Um, complete, just like verse one, ch- chapter 1, verse 3. Um, the full inheritance that Christ enjoys, which he says it's himself, um, gets ours now. And just like the prodigal son, we get to have it now, not later. The inheritance is ours now. Um, and that we get to enjoy this, this great inheritance as his sons and daughters. Chapter 1, verse 23, it tells that, let me read this. It says, um, we are his body, we are the fullness of him who fills all in all. We talked about that verse, we said that, the church, of, the church, which is us, is the body of Christ. And he says his fullness fills us. We looked at this. And then we're supposed to fill the world with the fullness of Christ. Just by going to the world, his fullness fills the world. And he does it through us. And the reason he does it through us is because we're filled with the fullness of Christ. I don't know what that means altogether. 
But there's just something he said, you are full with the fullness of Christ. That's who you are. That's, that's how you're marked. That's how you're identified. That's how you're characterized by God himself. Chapter 2 says, we were dead, but then we were made alive with him. Chapter 2, verses, verse 10 says that we are his masterpiece or his, um, his, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Chapter 2, verse 19 says that we are fellow saints and we are part of God's household. Um, we actually get to be, right from the moment we come to Christ, members of a whole different house than we were before. Um, complete changes. We've become part of this whole new group. We, we've talked about the fact that there's this, there's this uh, timeline or a, a line of inheritance from Adam going to death, and we are on that. When we come to Christ, we're, we're lifted off of that line of inheritance. We're put in this other line of Christ that goes eternity past and eternity forward, and he says, this is a whole new family, and we become part of that very household of God. Some of us come from Christian families, and so we get kind of the best of both a little bit, and there's, there's those things. And others of us, that's like, that's like, wow, praise God, I'm actually getting a new family because my family that I'm part of is just is of a different kingdom. It's just of a different kingdom. And we get to be brought this new kingdom. That is who we are, part of the household of God. And it's from this place, that was the whole intent of our, those first three chapters of Ephesians, which we emphasize over and over and over again, that whether I get it or not, that is who we are in Christ. And it's out of that place that we live out life. That's where life lives out. When I try to live it from somewhere else, it just doesn't work. But when I, when I embrace it and I understand it and I begin to experience it and I understand God singing over me and, and, and the truth of who I am, um, I don't do anything, but Christ lives in me, Galatians 2.20. His life begins to flow out, and the very nitty-gritty, simple, basic stuff of life and work and relationships and families and everything else begin to flow out of that place. So we live out of our identity. So where can submission, respect, sacrifice, love, honor, all these things here that happen, where do they come from? They come from Christ in us, our identity, as he pours those things out in us. Transformed identities. Um, And I'm not sure, all of you, for everybody, some of us, most of us are more of a mixed bag, um, but whatever, um, I don't know what you got in your home as a message about who you were, who you were told you were, or what you learned. Um, But Hear the truth of Ephesians 1 through 3. Hear the truth, because it's, it's God speaking the truth of you that are in Christ, and we have been changed and completely transferred. Number two, the second foundational thing or the context by which we have to absolutely understand before we can enter into these uh, issues of husbands and wives is that we are part of a different kingdom. We're part of a different kingdom. He says, therefore, chapter 5, verse 1, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved. We're supposed to walk in love as Christ. And later on in that chapter, um, verse 19, it says, Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, When we come to Christ, we are transferred to a whole different kingdom. The scriptures say that we were taken out of darkness and we're brought into light. We were aliens and strangers. We get brought near. And we're in the kingdom of the world that lives here, and we're taken out and put into an entire different 
kingdom. In that kingdom, you walk differently. The whole way of walking is a different way of walking. The whole way of living is a different way of living. The conversations that take place are different. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 says that you formerly lived according to the course of this world. We all lived according to the patterns of a different kingdom, had different rules, had different ways of speaking, had different ways of interacting. Everything was different. And by the way, it doesn't work, does it? It doesn't work. It's just full of trouble and hurt and pain. Chapter 2, verse 13 says, now, now you have been brought near. We've been brought into another kingdom. We live, um, you and I, if we know Christ, we live here and now in the midst of another kingdom that we used to be a part of. But we're now part of a different kingdom. It's kind of strange. We're part of a different kingdom that is planted right here, living in the midst of another kingdom. Um, we've talked about this whole weeds and wheat thing, that the, the wheat among the weeds. And we were weeds and we get transferred out and, and we're part of, we become life givers because that's what the kingdom of God is about. Um, a friend of mine was just writing about mission. He says he thinks the mission of the church is to bring life to the world. And as, as, as wheat and life, parts of a different kingdom, we're planted right in the middle of another kingdom that knows nothing about it. And we're part of a different kingdom. And that kingdom, as we said right here, in that kingdom, you walk in a different way. It has a whole different walk to it. Um, when um, I, um, I don't like to admit this, but I bob when I walk. Um, I, was, I went out here the other day, and I was walking down the sidewalk, and the, the sun was behind me, so I had my shadow, and I could see my, my, my shadow was going like this. And I'm like, oh, God, I've been doing this forever. When I was, before I uh, was, went out with my wife, I, we worked in the same uh, company together and it had those like off, office partition walls or like about right this high and um, she would see me she said she'd see me and she'd see me going like this as I go along the walls like this bobbing walk you know so um, we have our own walk when we come to Christ um, the way we walk which is the everyday living of life it's just the the way we walk through our day is totally different in the kingdom of God it's totally different we may be doing the same things but the way we walk in it is different. We may still go to work, and we go to the grocery store, and we interact with people, and we put gas in the car, and we play outside, and we take naps, and we sleep away the day, and all these kinds of things that we might do as we did in the other kingdom, but we do them in a different way because we're part of a different kingdom. We also talk in a different way. It says here that we speak to another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Our, our, our voices are different. The manner in which we speak in God's kingdom is different. Um, the way we spoke in the old kingdom was not the same. Um, there was self in there, and there was um, vying for places and defensiveness, and um, we spoke into lives in ways that were self-serving. Um, the family next to us just um, about four days ago um, it was, it was um, there was this screaming match outside in the um, driveway um, and running in front of cars. And um, it should break our hearts because the world, that kingdom speaks differently. And the, the, the wonder of this passage that he wants to get us to is understand that we are part of a different kingdom. And when we get to stuff about marriages, which is where the words always get messed up sometimes, right? There's a whole different way to speak. 
and it's inherent with the very kingdom of God that he has already worked in us um, to do. And by the way, the principles of God's kingdom don't work in the old kingdom. Um, and the old kingdom principles don't work in the new kingdom. We're changed, we become different. It all, all changes. Um, like I said, we do the same things. We move through the same kind of places, but we do so in a different way and we speak in a different way. His kingdom is what? It's like Christ. So we're going to learn to submit like Christ submitted. We're going to live, learn to love like Christ loved. We're going to live to um, speak to one another like Christ speaks to us. Um, when we get to this passage, we live according to a different kingdom. Um, and it's easy to forget that, isn't it? We, live in different, we, we are part of a different kingdom. The, the kingdom that we came from is so prevalent. And it's just, um, it is just there all the time. And there's some things about it that grab us, and there's our things about it that grieve us, but it's there all the time. And we're just washed in it. And um, it just takes moments to, to forget that we are of a different kingdom planted here in this place. But we have to remember, if we're going to learn to do these things, that we are part of a different kingdom. The good news of that is the things that he tells us should flow out of our lives. Guess what? They can all flow out from our lives because we're part of a different kingdom. Number three, relationships change. Number three, relationships. It says, speak to one another. There's interaction. Sing to one another. This whole idea of singing over each other um, is a a radical change. And then later on, he's going to talk about being subject to, uh, verse 21, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ or be submitted to one another's this mutual submission. Um, we're fellow saints. We're part of God's household. We talked about this the other week when we were going through our values as a church. We have been brought into relationship with, with God and with relationship with each other. And the truth is we cannot live the kingdom principles. We cannot live out the identity of who we are in Christ outside of the context of relationships with each other, just the way God made it. We just, we just don't get to go off on ourselves and do it. It just simply will not work. As a matter of fact, what we're going to see is God's heart and his character and nature gets demonstrated through the interaction of relationships in his new kingdom. And those interactions display something about God. So our relationships are all changed. Every relationship, when we come to Christ, gets changed. Our relationship with ourselves gets changed. Our relationship with God gets changed. Our relationship with other believers is changed radically because we all suddenly have a whole set of common values we didn't have before, and our relationship with people um, outside of God's kingdom gets changed as well. We become under, come under a completely different banner. And the principles in this passage um, are not a concession to a sinful world, by the way. Um, so God says, okay, it's a sinful world, so here's how we have to set up the home. He doesn't do that. It's not. This is God's working of relationships within his heart um, as he prepared them to happen. Um, his original heart for us has transformed people. Um, the great truth is you and I can experience transformed relationships. Um, and for some, there, there may be some of us who get going, I don't know how that could ever happen because there's so much there. Um, transformed people living out in the kingdom of God, God says you can experience transformed relationships with each other. It's God's heart for us. It's his will for us. It's his design for us as we begin to get a hold of it. Because of our identity, because we're in a different kingdom, and because he has transferred us, the, peer, the principles of kingdom living are all possible and in our hands today. And then lastly here, there's a change of purposes. Change of purposes. 5.1, he says, chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, 
and walk in love just as Christ also loved, he says. Five, chapter 5, verse 23, says, as Christ also is the head of the church. Chapter 5, verse 24, he says, as the church is subject to Christ. Chapter 5, verse 25, says, just as Christ is the head of the church. And in verse 32, he says, I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. What's the focal point of everything we do? It's Christ, and it's ultimately his church. There's something about Christ and his relationship with the church. Before Christ and outside of his kingdom and his other place, our purposes in life were all different. They revolved around us. God steps in and changes us, brings us in relationship with each other, and our purposes all change. Everything gets turned not where it's not, never about me, but it's ultimately about Christ. It's all about him. And he steers everything there, and in the midst of that, he changes me as well. Husbands, wives, children, submitting, honoring, loving, respecting, sacrificing, all these things. All those things are opportunities for God to say something to the world through us. That's what they're for. Something to the world um, through us. Um, Samuel, uh, the graduate student that left here, used to do the projector. He's getting married, I think, tomorrow. Um, and Pastor Mike went down to wherever he's getting married, Arkansas or Alabama or something. Um, left a while ago, he's getting married. Um, the heart of marriage, when we, when we do pre-marriage comes, we talk about it's supposed to mirror God's image to the world. And so our relationships are designed to actually mirror the heart and character of God. And we begin to understand that my whole purpose, purposes are changed. What's, what's God's purposes for me in marriage? Well, it's, it's not about me. It's not about getting what I want. It's not about doing what I want to do. It's not about conforming somebody else. If I begin to realize the whole purposes are to mirror something about Christ, and I really get that, it changes everything. It changes everything in the way I relate, in the way we function, and the purposes that we have. All of our expressions of these become testimony, worship, reflection, and a witness to God himself. Um, I've got a brief outline here. We'll kind of walk through it of the... Uh, just so you can see where it's pointing. So we start out and put it up there so I remember. Wives, it's going to start out. Wives, and by the way, we're not going to cover everything in this, this uh, text next week, but we're going to pull the heart of it out. But it starts out, wives, be subject. And the, the question is, so, so how do you do that? What's, what's the next part of that? We have how it's, as, as Christ, um, as the church is subject to Christ. So the outline's going to follow. Wives have a relationship. They're supposed to do something. And how do they do that? He's going to talk about it's the way the church does it before Christ. And then the question is, so why? Why do we do that? And it has to do with headship. And he's going to talk about headship being about Christ and the church as well. So understand, when we talk about wives and submission, it all goes to where? Where's it going to take us down the road? It's all about the church and Christ. It's going to take us where it's trying to get us to. And then when it talks about husbands loving our wives, the question is, how do we do so? And we do it as Christ loves the church. So when we think about, <clears throat> excuse me, Christ, husband's supposed to love, immediately it takes us to how do you do that? It has to do with Christ loving the church. And then the reason we, why we do that, because Christ gave his sacrifice um, on behalf of the church as well. Um, and that's where we'll be going. I believe that, actually Mike and I were just talking about when he came in, um, they used, we often have thought about marriage, um, We go back to creation, God created things. I, I believe that um, 
before the foundations of time, when it says Christ chose us before the foundation of the world, I think that um, the, the whole concept of the bride of Christ in Scripture is huge. It goes all the way through, shows up in Revelation. I think in the, the heart and mind of God, that before the foundations of the world, so <clears throat> before the garden, before Adam and Eve, before all those things happened, in the mind and heart of God, God had a love for his church. That God had, had, had prepared a bride for himself, was already desiring to do that. And so he came along and it came time to create. <clears throat> and um, he thought, what can I do? How can I create? And so he creates a world that reflects his love for his bride. He created marriage and creation and marriage to reflect something that was in his heart before the foundation of time. And so when we get into, then there's sin comes along, and then it gets all messed up, and it's not reflecting God anymore. So he sends a Savior to restore his bride and restore his church so that it again points to and mirrors and, and demonstrates and and shouts out the wonders of who God is. And marriage doesn't, the way he sets up marriage here isn't, oh, i got to try to fix something. It was his heart and beginning. This is what it looks like, because this is what God's love for his people looks like. And so he desires us to show the same thing. It's, it's his heart and desire to reflect those same things for us. So God didn't create the relationship of Christ and the church after the pattern of marriage, rather, marriage was created after the pattern of Christ's relationship to the church in eternity past. Um, so, Paul says marriage is a great mystery. I think it's a great mystery because it's about something way, way bigger than our homes and our relationships and our squabbles and our wrestlings to it and figuring it all out, all those things that are all there. And God knows all those things, but there's this great, big, huge picture of something that goes back, I think, before creation. God says, I want the world to see me. I want them to see me. Um, I don't know about you, that, that, um, that should fill us with hope because it's God's passion and heart of saving people, changing their identity, planting them into a new kingdom, transforming your relationships so that he can show the world something of himself, which is God's greatest desire to do. So he's going to do it in us. He wants to do it in us as it overflows. Philippians chapter 2, final verse, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. We walk into our days, our moments, our responsibilities, our relationships. Anybody have a relationship struggle this week in any way, shape, or form? Anything. Even if it's just in your own side going, you know, whatever's going on, whether it's at home or somebody else or whatever it is, those things are all over the place there. And, and the whole issues of husband and wife stuff, when we look at it, is going to be going, you know what, we may not get it all right. You don't even have to get it all right. Because God is in the midst of it. He's brought us into a new kingdom. He's made us new people. He's transforming us. And he is going to show the world something about himself through us. That's his desire for us as we walk in. So we move through these days, and all he calls for us is to keep in mind Christ before us, who loved us, who sacrificed for us, who, who submitted on our behalf, um, who loved sacrificially in all these ways. 
And by the way, this is, when we talk about this, this is not just for husbands and wives. Um, the graces of submission and the graces of love are for everybody. Um, there is endless opportunities to demonstrate those to a world. So as we walk, um, I'm tempted to say it's as we walk through our days, it is all about him. And that's true, but that's not altogether true. It's about us as well, by the way. It is about us. Um, it is about our moments and our days and the things I do and the things I think about and the things I struggle with and the things I would hope and, 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 and my own relationships at my home and um, because I'm his child, so it is about me as well. But it's about something much bigger too. And in the midst of God doing those works in us, reminding us of our, who we are, reminding us um, that we're in a different kingdom, that we live and we walk and we speak in a different way, that our relationships with God have been completely transformed. Our relationship with our own self has been transformed. Our relationship with each other can be transformed. And that God has created for us a different purpose. Um, in the midst of me and my life, guess what happens? God comes in again and again and again as we just turn to him, as we walk forward and we say, Lord, just keep your kingdom before me. Keep your kingdom before me. And as he does so, he expands his life um, to the world. Cameron, if you could come up, if, if you and Lisa could come up, we're going to... Uh, sing a song as we go out. Um, let me encourage you, um, this week, between now and next week, um, take those verses we read and read them and read them and read them. Um, like I said, there's, it's not just for husbands and wives, it's for everybody here. Um, and I believe as we embrace it and just open ourselves and say, Lord, just show me whatever you got here, whatever you want to show me here, show it. Um, when we open this passage up, and we're going to have things to change. There's no question about it. Um, As you think through that, um, remember that God is 100% going, I'm going to bring this through you. I'm going to bring my life and my character and my nature through you to people who need to see it. And so embrace it. Embrace what he has to say about you. Embrace what he has to, what, what he calls you to. Embrace um, things he wants to shake up in our lives um, because he loves us and, and walks us through that. Go ahead and stand. Let me pray. And um, Cameron, let's just close with the song, okay? Father, thank you for... There's something, Lord, that I think I'm just missing. And, um, and yet there's also, even in the missing of that, there's something I feel like I can just reach out and it's, it's there. Um, as Cameron was saying before, that we can breathe in and breathe out and we can actually trust you with all of this. And we can, Lord. Um, all the things of our homes, whether the home we came from, the home that we're in, um, our relationships, disappointments, um, they're all um, things that just fit right in your hands. Um, and because we're your children and completely transformed, that's, that's the place where we are, when we want to be there or not. And that in that place, Lord, as we recognize it and we walk out tonight and the cool evening and the lights on the trees and conversation with each other, um, 
knowing that you're in the midst of that or does change everything. And that you are desirous to do your work. That you don't grow weary in that. That you find delight in pouring yourself through us, even through our ups and downs and struggles and victories and everything else. So we offer ourselves to you as we walk out. Um, Be honored in it and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.